Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's Resistance Recap, which, you know, we never actually said that our show, like this series, was called Resistance Recaps, but that's always what I say after <laughs> after I say hello. Welcome to Resistance Recap number two for season two, where we are going to be going over the episode entitled A Quick Salvage Run. A Quick Salvage Run. <laughs> I was like, it's it's something more than that, Caitlin. Well, okay. In our in our show notes, and I did them this week. I put a quick salvage run at the top, but then like in the body of our show notes, I just did a quick salvage. And now Charlotte is typing in "run" in all capital letters because I forgot it. It's fine. It's a quick salvage run, and it aired on October thirteenth, and it was written by Brandon Alman, and it was directed by Bosco Ng. I just have to say, this seemed like the the episode that everyone had the hardest time accessing. Yes. First off, it didn't it didn't seem like it was uploaded to Disney Now, and it I guess I, I don't know if anyone ever received a file from Xfinity or Comcast or any sort of on demand services in time. It worked for you and I, but it definitely was not on Disney Now, and I saw a lot of people having issues with watching it on demand, and mm-hmm. I just I feel like this sort of problem makes me really excited for Disney Plus, even though I know Resistance won't be on Disney Plus, but I just kind of hope that they're better about uploading things and they totally could not be like, I don't know, but uh, I just, I I don't know, for some reason I have more faith in a streaming service rather than uploading something that is airing onto like on demand yeah, and it was just really, really frustrating. Yeah, I know a lot of people in our Patreon Discord were having some issues too, even with like you and I both use Xfinity, and I watched it first thing on Sunday morning and didn't have any problems. But it seemed like people throughout the day, like even people who were watching it Sunday morning or throughout the day or even in the evening, were having issues with it on Xfinity and other streaming platforms, and it was just really frustrating. Um, the accessibility of this season seems to be not great which is frustrating to say the least yep but (laughs) and I don't know if that's a Disney thing or like a platform issue like Xfinity for example because this happened with Rebels too a couple Mm -hmm. of times throughout the last season if you remember um so it's not this isn't like the first time it's happened it definitely happened with Rebels as well I remember going on Twitter and I remember having issues with it with Rebels personally a couple of times too so me too I hope I hope like you said that with Disney plus these kinds of things since it's kind of in-house that they are able to I don't know keep a better eye on it yeah and like push their content out themselves because that's what it felt like but Disney now, I don't know. It's just confusing. Disney now as a service is just strange in itself. I think so. it's like Disney XD, Disney now, Disney plus, Disney on demand, like Disney play. Wasn't there a Disney play at one point? There too? was. There was. <laughs> I never knew. I was like, what app am I supposed to be on right now? <laughs> yeah. It was just confusing. Anyway. I hope all of you got to watch this episode. It was really good. We're excited to finally sit down and talk about it. Charlotte was away for the weekend. That's why this episode is out a little later. It's funny because Charlotte was actually back in Georgia for Columbus Day weekend, but I didn't get to see her because you were hanging out with your family. But I think it's so funny because every year, Charlotte, you're like, let's do something for Columbus Day. 
And I'm like, I don't have Columbus Day off. Like in the South, we don't have Columbus Day off. But every year, you always are like, you don't have Columbus Day off? Question mark. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just, and you I, and I'm like Massachusetts it off. You yeah. grew up here. We never had Columbus Day off in school. I swear we did. It's I weird. We did. I don't think we did. It's it's weird. But every know. year without fail, you're like, oh, you're not doing anything for Columbus Day, and I'm like, yeah, in I'm college working. it was it was my fall break, so I always got a week off. Yeah. Whereas in uh, EGA, my school, we always got fall break was for the Georgia Florida football game. Our fall break was scheduled around football, so. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I, I, I can't. <laughs> but it was always Halloween weekend too, so it was actually worked out pretty well for us. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we are going to start talking about resistance, and if you're new here, we divide our show into three parts for our main show and resistance as well. And in part one, we're going to be going over our highs and lows for the episode. In part two, we talk about the story. And in part three, we're going to be talking all about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay, welcome to part one, where as per usual, we're going to be going over our highs and lows. And I think you went first last week. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. go first this week. So my first high was the conversation between Kaz and his father. I was so excited to see Kaz and his father and his father just like appear on a hologram. I was shook. I was very excited that that has been one of my critiques for all of last season was the lack of use of Kaz and his family. I think it's a really interesting dynamic, and I thought their conversation was fascinating. Um, I know some people, I saw one of the Star Wars articles talking about his uniform in particular of his father. I just think there's so much there, and I really hope that this isn't the only time we see him because that's what happened last season too. He appeared on a hologram in like episode one or two, and then we never saw him again. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I hope that that does not happen this season either, because I really enjoyed their conversation and I hope that they meet in person and are kind of like Kaz has to make a choice basically between his family and duty and like to the resistance and something like that. I think I don't know. I just, it was great to see Kaz be, you know, kind of stand up to his father a little bit more too and be like, no, I'm with the resistance now. This is what I do and this is important to me. Um, So I thought the conversation was really great and I hope we get more of it. I loved the conversation, but I'm going to like pull a curveball and say that that was my low, which I think is so, (laughs) it's just funny because I feel like this has never happened that you've had a low and this is this, uh, you've had a high and this is my low. Um, I don't know why I wasn't shocked by it. And I can't remember if it was leaked or if something happened that they said that his father's back or I don't know that they, they survived, but I wasn't surprised and it was too short and it felt pretty anticlimactic to me where I I feel like Kaz could have had a moment even after the holocram ended that he would have been like, wow, I can't believe he's alive. Like, oh my gosh, what? something like that. But it, it didn't happen. And I, it felt like too small of a moment. And I'm with you. I agree. I think that it is so super intriguing. And I, I, I'm with you also in complaining about um, kind of the lack of understanding that family dynamic between Kaz and his father and hoping for more. But it's felt so small for me that that was my low. 
Yeah, I feel like you must have had a dream or something that his dad was already there. Because I remember texting you about it before you watched the episode. Like, oh my god, Kaz is here. Or Kaz's father is here. And then you, like, weren't surprised at all. And I, I was feel like, like, I don't know where. I, and I don't read leaks. And I don't. And if I did, it, they wouldn't be about resistance. Because I do like to be surprised, you know? Yeah, see, I don't feel that. I mean, I don't. I don't actively search out leaks, but a resistance spoiler wouldn't bother me as much. I feel like I might have read it in an article or something of the creators being interviewed. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like you would have sent it to me. I probably did. I just don't understand (laughs) how you weren't surprised because I was surprised. (laughs) I don't know. Listeners, help us out. If you know that this was said before, tell me. Because I feel like I just ingest so much Star Wars information. (laughs) You don't keep like a running catalog of where you find everything. No, I'm not Sleemo. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Imagine if you were, though. (laughs) Surprise, guys. I'm Sleemo. Yeah, I I agree with you that I think it was too short, but I don't know. I actually think it was a good moment. I thought, like, Kaz's father kind of, he reacted the way I expected him to react. He wasn't, like, sad or, um, like, happy to see Kaz, which is how we left him the last time we saw him, too. He was um, very judgmental of what Kaz was doing and wasn't super pleased about it. And I like that we're kind of getting this, like, strict and harsh father. I don't want to say harsh because we don't actually know him that well, but... um, like a little bit, I would assume he's harsh. You, you kind of you get that vibe from him, and it's interesting when you think that of, of Kaz's personality and how different they are, even from the short amount of time that we've seen them interacting. I don't know. I thought it was a good moment um, overall, and like I said, I just hope we see more of it throughout the season and and get to see them in person and maybe find out a little bit more about exactly where Kaz's father's loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm very excited about that. That is so intriguing. Mm-hmm. I think he's definitely on the other side. Yep, me too. So that's so cool. Because <laughs> right now, if that's true, then Kaz has two people that he knows closely that are on opposite sides of war at this point. Mm-hmm. So my second high was Sinar and Kaz's conversations were super thought-provoking about the theme of trust and second chances. Um, I just really liked that Sinar was back in this episode. It was good to see her. And I thought she had some really good things to say to Kaz. And we'll kind of get into them more in our character discussion. So I don't want to totally talk about it up here at the top end of the show. Um, But I just thought I found it really interesting because Sinar and Tam had that amazing episode together where they became really great friends. But then in this episode, Sinar is the one who was like, we can't trust Tam anymore. And I thought that was a really interesting turn of events. And I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, I could see both Kaz and Sonara's point of view and their perspective in this episode. I thought it was really, it was handled really well. Totally. I'm so happy she's back. Mm-hmm. I love her character so much. Mm-hmm. Me too. So my first high is I love how we're finally in like confirmation of The Last Jedi timeline. I loved seeing the dreadnought and I'll just... I don't know, going over to Carr and them them arriving too late. I kind of love this whole like I think I said sliding doors before in the last episode, but this whole like they're arriving and they're never gonna get there in time. 
basically the Colossus just never going to catch up to the resistance. Um, I kind of love that. I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, I am so happy to be in the last Jedi time. It's so cool. Just mm-hmm. super, 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 super cool. The setting, it looked really, it looked really cool. Like the animation of that whole scene and seeing the aftermath of it. And it was so funny because whenever I think about the Dreadnought and Captain Kennedy, I always think about Blast Points podcast <laughs> and their Captain <laughs> Kennedy Day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they had a whole episode celebrating Captain Kennedy and they had songs and festivities. It was, it was the best. It was amazing. It was so good. <laughs> and I was looking around the setting of that scene. I was like, I wonder if we'll see anything like Kennedy just floating through space. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or like something on his dread. I don't know. I was like, imagine if they bring Captain Kennedy in somehow like through a hologram or something. It was like Jason and Gabe would love that <laughs> but it's too late he gone he dead he gone he dead he very gone and dead uh but his mm-hmm. memory lives on in celebration of Kennedy day truly truly but yeah the, the overtime ta- overlapping timelines was really great you know we love the compressed timelines of resistance yes. here on sky talkers yes <laughs> give us more and when they were going there you just knew that they weren't gonna get there in time and when Kaz was when I think it was Yeager or Doza were like are you sure we're supposed to go to Dakar and Kaz was like yes 100% and I was like oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> whenever he's 100% sure or something <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no. um, yeah. I thought it was great because it is it's such a nice little parallel to A New Hope when they arrive at Alderaan too um, true kind of coming up in that kind of setting was really cool and you know it's just you know what they say star wars it rhymes mm-hmm. yes so what was your low so this is hard for me because when i was thinking about this episode i there wasn't anything i could point to specifically as like a low but i just know that i enjoyed this season opener more than this episode if that makes sense um, oh interesting because i feel like i've seen the opposite uh, on the internet yeah, I don't know what it is. I There's not like a specific thing I can point to to be like this. I don't think this was done well because I thought that I really liked this episode. I thought the action was good. I enjoyed the, the dialogue. I thought the conversations were all really great. I thought it had some funny moments too. I just think overall I liked the last episode better, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that this episode was bad. So I don't really have a low. I just like if if I were a ranking person – I would put the season opener first and then this episode. But there's not really any reason behind that. It's just personally I enjoyed the season opener more. Yeah, so I, don't, I did too. Yeah, I don't have like a specific low for it. Yeah, I did too. This one felt like an episode you need to watch to get to the next one. Yeah, but not filler. You know what I mean? No, it's not filler. No. It's just exposition. Yeah, exactly. But it was fun. Which is fine because there was a lot of emotional con- conversations and character moments and things that I love. But I'm with you. I think that in, in that it's a premiere is a premiere. Like it's the premiere for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's juicy. So like, of course, we're going to like that more. But I do think it's interesting that I feel like I've seen the opposite said online. Yeah, I know a lot of people, like people who saw this episode early, were talking about how much they loved this episode more than the season opener. So I was really prepared to be blown away. And mm-hmm. I loved it. Like, I, like 
I've loved pretty much every episode of Resistance. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it and I had a great time with it. And and like you said, there were good emotional beats and, and the action was good. The Colossus looked great as always. So there's nothing really bad. I just, I, I, I think I want to go back and watch the first episode more than this one. So yeah, that's, that's just kind of is what it is. Okay, so my last high is I loved the dynamic, and I continue to love the dynamic between Tierney and Tam. I think it's just um, perfect encapsulation of the evil behavior of the First Order and the practices that Tierney is doing to basically groom Tam into enjoying her time in the First Order and um, helping them. It's just really fascinating to watch, and it's just a really interesting relationship i can i I don't know every time they're on screen together i'm like oh no but i'm intrigued yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) this episode did a really great job i think of of like animating tam's facial expressions and Mm -hmm. totally see her hesitation and her resolve all at the same time i think i think they did a really great job with that and i hope that you're right. Tierney is such the manipulator and she does such a good job at it with Tam. I wonder if we'll get to see Tam kind of have her moment over Tierney too as the season goes on. Kind of like how Finn had his moment over Phasma in The Last Jedi. Uh, I wonder if, if we'll get to see Tam outsmart Tierney. I would really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay, let's talk about the story. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Okay, so welcome to part two where we're going to talk about the story of this episode. And we always start with this one question. So, Caitlin, (laughs) what's the state of the resistance? Well, we kind of discussed it in part one, but the state of the resistance is not great right now because they are tied on a string and uh, they just left a car and they all blasted off right when the Colossus arrives. So the funny thing is, it's like, what's the state of the resistance? We know the state of the resistance now. So I don't like, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. It's if, now the most clear. Yeah. I'm curious if we need to like keep this question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, we, I think it's really important to ask it, to be honest, because I think that as I wonder, I just really wonder how the show operates as for kids watching this, if they understand the timelines and what's going on with oh we're at the last jedi time now and as this season progresses and since the last jedi is over like three to four days what are we gonna see and i don't know i think that asking this question like i'm sure we'll get we're gonna ask this question and it's gonna be really meaningful when we finally get to the point where either the colossus completely misses leia's call from crate or moves beyond it and something else happens. Like, I think that that's also really important to ask. And as we get closer to the Rise of Skywalker, I feel like it becomes a bigger question mark. Yeah, I think you're right. Especially, I think it's also a big question of how much time they're going to pass in Resistance. And if it will be as clear once we've passed the end of The Last Jedi, like it was coming to the beginning of The Last Jedi. Because we kind of knew throughout season one a little bit of where we were, not really. Some some of the things like it really wasn't until the end of season one when when Poe was told that he's gotta go to Jakku or something like that. That's when it was like, Oh, 
there. That's Force Awakens. <laughs> Um, but here was quite obvious. Like they're literally in the setting of the last Jedi. So I wonder if it will be as obvious when we get to the end of that film. I think it might be. Um, but I wonder how you're right. Like, are they going to be able to hear Leia's call? I mean, that's been like the major question this entire, we asked that question in season one. Yeah. Like what's going to happen with that? Um, I think cause that's what I've always loved about the Colossus is that it is, so like it is so big that it can handle being its own show and like setting and moving the characters around to different places past the the timeline of the films and so I wonder and and even within this you know year or so that's passed between the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker however long it's actually been um the Colossus can do enough on its own where it doesn't have to be tied directly to the resistance. So I wonder now Mm -hmm. that they've missed them, how easy it's going to be to contact them because they're probably not going to come in contact with them in the next three to four days. Um, Or else they would be like, bring us the coaxium. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing is that the Colossus, as we know it, sure. Now it has coaxium, a small vial, right? Mm -hmm. Is the Colossus going to continue to break down as it has been in this, this past episode to the point where they are completely going to lose their, like whatever messaging system that they have, their transmissions, whatever to miss completely Leia's call. I feel like it might. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe their mission, maybe they do get the call from like Haldo or someone or me. Like what if, okay. Okay. What if Poe contacts Kaz in the middle of the last Jedi timeline as like one of his, like trying to figure out a different way or like trying to, whoa, you know, and he's like, I need you guys to go get us fuel and get us these things. And like, supplies and meet us here like rendezvous with us here um wow but then that could happen yeah but then poe is you know like <laughs> quarantine and uh well the, his mission fails. yeah his mission it, fails his, his plan was bad <laughs> yeah because was that plan but what if he tries to make kaz a part of his plan that could be really interesting too it would be interesting to see that poe in resistance who's like kind of backed up against the wall and it's a much different Poe than what Kaz knew in season one, I think. Mm-hmm. So it, I wonder how totally. that would translate um, if they would do that. I don't know. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So I wonder if like part of their mission this season is for the Colossus to go and get supplies for the resistance, try and meet them and eventually meet them. I don't know, wherever, <laughs> wherever they're going. <laughs> okay. So now the Colossus, where, where are they going now? I don't know. One of the reasons I know you love the Colossus is like it can exist on its own, but it really is this question now that we're confined to one singular season and we're really going right up against the Rise of Skywalker. I keep thinking back to when we were at D23 and they showed showed that like epic timeline and Resistance went straight up to the Rise of Skywalker. (sighs) I know. So I'm like, the the Colossus, I think, is the Colossus going to the Unknown Regions? When they they reveal the title of the first episode, Into the Unknown, I was like, oh, wow, they're going into the Unknown Regions. They're going to stumble on something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But that's not happening. But I do think that they're, like, the Colossus has to play a part somehow in assembling the Resistance resistance's fleet that they have in the rise of skywalker right like i think that the that movie is going to be like here's all of the ships that we've amassed in the year plus that 
you know, that has happened since The Last Jedi. We've built up our allies. Well, yeah, we're struggling, but we built up our allies. And, like, the resistance exists. Resistance, the show, exists to kind of help us kind of shepherd that. And I don't know. I'm just, like, so intrigued to see what what role the Colossus plays in that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I I think, like, if the Colossus – it's something – that we, I think we talked about on the last episode about this is kind of goes into the next question too about the state of the first order and how important the Colossus is that the first order is divesting a lot of resources to go and get it. Uh, yeah. So I think you're right. It has to play some kind of role. And I think it should be fitting that we see the Colossus in the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if its mission throughout the season does become to acquire materials or recruits or supplies or fuel or whatever it is and bring it to wherever they're going. Although I would be surprised, like, okay, with Rise of Skywalker, let's say that it opens, like, let's say they're, they're on Fasana, right? Like, that's where the show, where the film opens or something. I don't know if I think the Resistance will show us Fasana first. Like no, there's I don't a think so. stop in between, like they're on some other planet and then they have to mm-hmm. evacuate and go to Pasana or like seven other planets, who knows, in between. But I hope that the Colossus comes with them and then like is their fueling station, like they've won the Colossus, the Resistance has, and so they get to use it. And so it does mm-hmm. become like we at least see it <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. because they are putting so much importance on it within the First Order but I think it's yeah. it's kind of weird, though, because the resistance itself never tried to get the Colossus. I know. That's really the thing that I get kind of hung up on about the show is that why would the First Order, who are, yes, they have like a strong military and they're kind of seated really highly right now in the state of the galaxy. Sure. Even though they just lost Starkiller Base. I still feel like them putting so much resources into tracking down the Colossus like doesn't really make total sense to me. Yeah, that's the because at first it was like, oh, it's place on Castellon is like a gas station, basically, between the yeah. outer regions. Like its location was what was important about it. Yeah. And then sure, like the fact that it can hold fuel and it's its own ecosystem and blah, 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 blah. Like all that is important. But you know, why doesn't then the First Order go after, like, the Ring of Khafre or whatever from first, from Rogue One? Like, I think that those are kind of functional, like, similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, I think that there there has to be something more. And you've said this for a while. Like, is there something inside of the Colossus? Maybe. But I don't know if, like, they would really go after, like, five or six people who claim to be, you know, aligned with the Resistance who were at one point somewhat aligned to the Republic, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I don't understand. If it's like, is it really they're just going to like use all of this time and money basically to go after five people and like one gas station? <laughs> one mm-hmm. really big gas station? <laughs> and it makes it <laughs> – I mean, honestly <laughs> – because when it was on Castellon, you and I were like, oh, the Outer Rim, they've got stuff out there in the unknown regions. It's got to come back in Rise of Skywalker. So the First Order wants it there, like wants the Colossus there so they can pit stop 
all of their many secret fleets and ships, fuel them up, and then get them into battle. Like, that makes sense. So I wonder why mm-hmm. they just don't take Castellan and, like, put another gas station there. <laughs> uh, that's what I don't really understand. And I also don't understand why the resistance itself was never – like, Poe, you should try and get Doza to let us use the Colossus as fueling for our own ships or even now. And maybe that's part of what maybe Poe will contact Kaz now that they're really SOL and be like, you've got this giant ship with fuel. Come help us. And Kaz will be like, well, actually, <laughs> we don't have fuel. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's kind of the hiccup there. But we, I mean... We've always been asking, is there something else on the Colossus? But for a while, and even last episode, we were like, no, I think it's just fuel. I think it's just like a utilitarian purpose. And that's what literally fuels wars, is having these kinds of necessary supplies. But I wonder if there is something mm-hmm. more. and Or maybe maybe like the Resistance just didn't even know that that's what the Colossus was. But I, know. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I feel like Leia would know what it was and Poe too because they've both been in the military for so long and Leia herself has seen so much that I don't know I just I I don't know it's all like that needs to be resolved and like obviously I don't think I don't think we're gonna guess right now but I I think that that uh, why would Tierney really care that much about the clauses and like then i'm like maybe she doesn't really care that much about the clauses maybe it's just psychological warfare with tam yeah but she's she's putting a lot on the line just to mess with someone that she could easily brain scrape <laughs> and be done with right it. right i don't know i, I think it, it it will reveal itself and i don't think this is a complaint i just think that I do think that that's one of the major questions that Resistance is asking, and hopefully they can answer. Yeah. And part of me wonders, too, if it's just, like, it's the, like, they just need to have something that they're after. And so in this case. Yeah, it's just the MacGuffin. Yeah, and so it's the Colossus. But given that the Colossus is this ship that they're all living on, and it's moving, it feels a little different than, like, Luke Skywalker, you know? when they could yeah. build, presumably, another Colossus. Yes. Although, I don't know how long these things take to build, but... Mm-hmm. What do you think the size comparison is between, like, the like how many Colossuses could fit inside a Death Star? Um, Probably, like, 25. Yeah. I'd bet even more. Yeah, maybe, like, 100. Yeah. Well, now I'm thinking about that, like, in The Force Awakens, how there's, like, yeah. this is the Death Star, <laughs> and this is... <laughs> The Star Girler base, and it's like, okay, that's how I feel about, like, 25 Colossuses, and then, like, 250 Colossuses fit in the Star Girler base, you know? I think you're so right. (laughs) Someone's got to have, like, a size comparison on that. Well, like, I always, they, that great book, the Star Wars Super Info Graphic, Mm -hmm. it's so good. That's, we need an updated version with the Colossus included. Yeah. If anyone has any idea how big the Colossus actually is in comparison to the Death Star. I'm sure Alex knows from Star Wars Explained. I'm sure Explained. he does. Please tell us if you're listening, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that I want to know, so <laughs> please let me know. <laughs> 
Okay, so there's obviously still a lot up in the air about the Colossus because it's the best set piece in Star Wars, so it's got to have a lot of discussion on it. Um, But we kind of mentioned this before, but Tam and the conditioning thing, I thought it was really interesting how um, Pyre was like, let's just condition her. And then Tierney was like, no, we're going to keep her just how she is. And I found it fascinating, too, that they didn't use the word brain scrape in this episode. They use mm-hmm. conditioning, which is a much nicer way of putting what something that sounds very bad. Well, I, I I didn't say I didn't think that like conditioning equals brain scrape. I think conditioning equals brain scrape, comma anything else. Hmm. So like I don't think it has to be like a one to one. That's what he means. I think that there's many other forms of honestly terrible grooming and conditioning yeah. that the first order is and doing that we just don't know about. Yeah. Like we know about brain scraping. We've seen them use like just call her a number now instead of her name, mm-hmm. and and at the same time Tierney using so in one sentence referring to her as her her number, and then in the next sentence referring to her as Tamara. Yeah. So it's just that in itself is it, – I, I don't want to use the word predatory, but it feels like it because it, it does feel like, uh, you know, pe- like appealing to someone's own, I don't know, feelings about like now she's a number, but then, oh, this person doesn't think I'm a number, but at the same time, we're all part of the system where I'm a number. Yeah, it's very manipulative because it's – Oh, you totally. know, and that's that's what we've been saying. That's what tyranny does best. And there is such power in a name, and I think that's been proven time and time again throughout history, as well as within Star Wars itself. Like, I mean, Finn, mm-hmm. of course, is the perfect example. And to see it kind of going, fluctuating between her number and her name is, it's emotional manipulation from tyranny to Tam of like, well, in this instance, I'm using your number to remind you of your place. And in this sense, I'm using your name to remind you that I saved you, basically, from the horrible mm-hmm. people on the Colossus. Yeah. She's so good. So I feel like we'll see a lot more examples of Tierney and her usage of names. And I wonder if she'll eventually fade out completely to not using Tam's name or if it will remain this emotional manipulation as she uses both of them, depending on what the situation mm-hmm. calls for. But what was really Thought totally. about this episode was the pirates were back and yay, yeah. they had a big role. I forgot how much I loved the pirates' ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was so cool and I got such Howl's Moving Castle vibes from it, um, which we've seen a very similar kind of structure in uh, Rebels with like Rex. Yes, with the clones. Yeah, ships. yeah. And they had a very Howl's Moving Castle kind of ship too with the, it was like an AT-AT walker, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some there's something from an ATAT on the pirate ship. Yeah, so, the cockpit. Yeah, is from an yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised I know that honestly, but it was in the it was in buckets list. Oh, that's why I know it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was really fun to see them, and I enjoyed Cragen. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah, Captain Cragen. I loved his interaction with Kaz and Sonara and how Sonara got them to help and go on this, you know, quote unquote, quick salvage run. And it makes me, I don't know, I just, I love having all these parties on board the Colossus. And I wonder if they'll eventually join the Resistance. Um, We talked about this last season too, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
and Mm -hmm. how they'll all kind of figure out that the resistance or the first order was toying with all of them this whole time. And like with the, like, remember when they kidnapped Torah and Mm -hmm. the first order told the pirates to do it, but then the first order like totally bombarded the pirates and kidnapped Torah back. And they were like, what? (laughs) I wonder if all. Yeah. That was crazy. That was crazy. That was a really good episode. And I was like, it really was was like, man, the the first order is sinister (laughs) AF. Yeah. Um, But I wonder if things like that will all come out and um, there'll be more conversations about like how obvious it is that Sonara is friends with Kaz and, um, well, was friends with Tam and Torah and the others, and if that'll become a point of issue, or if they'll if they'll all become one big happy Colossus family. Yeah, I mean, in this episode, they're working together, and I think that it's interesting because even looking back, I don't think I would have believed that they would have, even though I thought we he had talked about it and everything. I just think that in this moment, you have the pirates helping out, like basically the people who are at the high tower right Mm -hmm. and then you have the aces who the aces were back in this episode who were defending off the first order for the pirates and the people like kaz and his people to get out and i think it's interesting i'm first off happy to see the aces back i'm sure like we have so many listeners who are so happy to see the aces caitlin and i like Sure, he says, woo, tour is great. <laughs> but um, I think that it's what's interesting is here they have, we have all these people who are on the same side. And I think that right now in the beginning of the season, this looks great. And I think that, you know, it's exciting to see everyone, like you said, the enemy, my enemy is my friend on the same side. But I do wonder how it's, if at all, it will break down and what that will look like because it could be potentially really devastating if some of the aces break off even or if the pirates decide to just leave because they're in the they're in the position to leave they have their own ship right yeah so it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens i yeah i wonder if we'll get an episode i think you're right there's definitely going to be breakage before there's like kumbaya (laughs) yes and i wonder if there's going to be like a stir crazy episode where they're all like Mm -hmm. trapped and they don't have anywhere to go and um they don't know where they're going you know there's still so much up in the air about what are like Joza and Yeager gonna do with all these people on board that didn't choose to come on this adventure you know is that going to be something that they address in this season uh, are all those people going to get a choice if they want to continue fighting the resistance who I mean I guess like it's kind of crazy to think that the Colossus belongs to Doza because uh-huh. it was a government ship and fueling station. Right. So like, how did he just get it? You know what I mean? Um, it's strange to think of Doza running it and owning it. And so I don't know. I think that's a really interesting question. And I'm sure we probably won't get into the, the legalities of who has the title deed for the Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> but these are questions I have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an, a valuable question about like, this was a ship of, of it was a community, and now it's being flown essentially by like a group of six people, which is just an interesting like reversal of hierarchy. But is it really that big of a reversal? No, not really, because Dozo was in charge of it before, and he still is, and the eight protected it just like they always did. Although I do, and he's funny, essentially displacing like thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it makes you wonder, like, do those people pay rent 
to be on board the Colossus? I, I, I would assume so. But the fact that their location is shifted is just They're like... allowed to not pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad the pirates are back. I, do, do th- I don't know if the pirate's ship has hyperdrive. That's the thing. I don't know if they actually can. That's a good question. I think, I don't think they can. I think they were always on Castellan and just coming from another place on Castellan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know if they actually can go anywhere. (laughs) 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 It's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. (laughs) All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the story or should we move on to part three? Let's move on. Okay, welcome to part three, where we are going to be talking about the characters. And of course, we've got to start off with Kaz. Um, yay! <laughs> this episode was really great for Kaz. I thought we got to lo- I thought we got to see a lot of different sides of him and a lot of different aspects of his personality, both the things that we really praise and then the things that were like, mm, Kaz. Not a great decision. (laughs) Uh Um, But what I liked is that we got the immediate payoff in this episode of Kaz's mistake in the last episode of contacting Tam and how that's immediately what brought the First Order to them. Right. I was really surprised that that happened right away because what we Mm -hmm. had theorized was that it wasn't going to happen right away at all. And that was something that was going to come up later, like like a purloined letter almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But Rucklin, that... That oh dude. my god, Ruckland. <laughs> I think my exact words were that bastard. Yeah. <laughs> when he came on screen, I was like, he's here. <laughs> the blue eyed devil. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I totally didn't expect it to come up this fast. But, uh, you know, there was, of course, the great, another parallel with The Last Jedi of them being tied on the string and how Tam holds the key to that now. And, Kaz just has unwavering faith in Tam, even when he's presented more than once in this episode, mm-hmm. that she was the one who likely gave them up. And she did. Uh, even though you could see some of her hesitation when she actually saw the Colossus, it was very different than when she like first handed over the comlink. Like, yes, she was pressured by Rucklin, but she had more resolve to her in, in that moment. But then when she saw the Colossus, that's when she was, you know, upset about it. Um, so I don't know. I just like Kaz and Sonara's discussions were really interesting. And I wish I could remember the exact line. But Sonara had said to Kaz, like, how can you still trust her after what she did? And Kaz was like, well, I trusted you, didn't I? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, Kaz really laying it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and... It is right. Like, I, he, he's right. And that was at the beginning of the episode. But then at the end of the episode, Sonara gets really angry at him in the elevator. And she's like, you know who did this? Like, Tam did this. That's the reason we're here. Or like, why the First Order was here. Why can't you see that? And Kaz was like, no, she wouldn't do that. And Sonara's like, no, she did she that. She would. Yeah. <laughs> she would and she did. And <laughs> Kaz still doesn't want to believe it. And so you know, how many times is he going to make that mistake in this episode of trying to contact Tam? And is Tam going to keep turning him in? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think that that parallel that you just made about, you know, the tide on the end of the string is really, really interesting because 
This one, to me, I I don't know. I look at the hucks tying the resistance on the end of a string um, as like not really an emotional bond. But here we have Tam and Kaz kind of tied on and tied on a string attached to each other in like the worst way. But it is due to like one really wanting to get to the other due to apologize and the other wanting to. I don't know. They're they're definitely she's definitely using it to the Colossus's detriment mm-hmm. and for the First Order's advantage. And I just think that there's like it's a string, but I think that it's two ways at this point. I don't know. I don't know if that even makes sense. I just think that's a really good parallel. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. It's not it's not exactly tied on a string in the same way. Tyranny is definitely using it that way. Yes. But that's not how it is for Tam and Kaz. It's like they're like a cross between like a force bond and tied on a string. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that there's an emotional level here that was not there for Hux and the Resistance. And I think that's obviously that's the parallel that they're drawing in The Last Jedi, the Hux and the 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 resistance and Kylo and Ray, obviously that that's been discussed. But I think that with this one, you, you, whether or not you see Tam and Kaz as romantic, I'm not sure I do, but I, I feel like there's, there's definitely this like star crossed nature to these two and how you really want one to be able to apologize and be forgiven on the other end. Mm hmm. Yeah, you want them to have that conversation with each other. And I feel like Kaz, I feel like in the next episode, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kaz contact Tam immediately again and be like, (laughs) (laughs) Kaz. But that's the thing we were talking about in the last episode. It's like from bigger picture, you're like, Kaz, no, (laughs) do not, especially after seeing the results of that. Like the fact that he isn't, making that connection is really frustrating. But then as someone who cares about Kaz and cares about Tam, you're like, yes, give me the angst. I think yeah, you for said sure. last episode, you were like, I just need a little bit more depression and, and angsty conversation. I just, I need, I need one more depression conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you want them to have that conversation, but just how much, I mean, they're, they're both putting everything at risk. Like Kaz in particular is putting everything at risk. Um, and other people, not just himself. Tam is really like when and if she chooses to reciprocate Kaz's apology and accept it and actually talk to him. She's really just kind of putting herself at risk for that because she'll be the one that's punished if she's not giving that information to the First Order. But Kaz is putting the entire Colossus at risk. And they did have that moment at the end where Yeager said, how did, you know, how did they even find us? We didn't even know where we were going. How could they have known where we were going? And I don't know, like given Yeager's response to Tam at the end of last season, where he tried to get her back and apologize too. I wonder how he's going to feel about Kaz's decision to contact her. Yeah. He's going to be mad. I think he is too, because I think I think Yeager would definitely have a bigger picture perspective, um, because he's older and wiser, and he's literally at the top of the Colossus to be reminded every day of just how many people he's responsible for, right. and he's been in war before too to have that kind of strategic mindset, I think, and to see the bigger picture of the war. And I I can easily see him having a conversation with Kaz, like I want her back too, but 
right now she's made her choice. And until we are safe <laughs> and secure, there's nothing we can do right now. It's like you can't mm-hmm. you can't contact her anymore. And Cassie's yeah. like, I can't I can't do that. I have to tell her I'm sorry. Yeah, I also think he'll be mad that he lied too. And they were like kind of kept that secret. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh boy, that angst. I love it. I'm eager for it. So yeah, and I just like another fun thing is that now Taurus and Sinara and Niku know that Kat has contacted Tam and Tor and Sinara were both like, bad idea. <laughs> That's so. true. But those are all the people that are closest to Kaz. But if I could guess one of those people, I would say Niku would be the one to blab just because that's how he is. Yeah, I don't think Niku was like, I don't think Niku is upset with Kaz for contacting Tam. Yeah, but I, but like, I feel like Niku would still say it and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know, too, because like. I think Tora. I would love to see Tora and Sonara just both yelling at Kaz. <laughs> like, How could you do that? <laughs> but that's something I actually really love about Resistance is like it, even with like what I said about um, Niku, like I could see him being like, yeah, that makes sense. Like totally. That's you put everyone in danger, but it would make sense to me that you would want to talk to your friend, you know, and apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something that's really good about resistance and that it like kind of legitimizes feelings yeah. like where it's like, and this is hypothetical obviously, but even just all these moments that you have with characters and I can't really even think of something specific, but the way that the show moves really quickly and also doesn't, doesn't fall into annoying tropes, I think is, is really interesting and great. And I think that it, um, I don't know, like even just you talking about how last episode where we were like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with this this uh, this recording that Kaz is sending? Like, who knows what hands it's going to get into? Like, we'll see that later. And then they do it right away and it immediately creates angst, you know, mm-hmm. and a conflict. And I, I just love that the show continuously kind of rushes into those things. Yeah, yeah. That's something I think Resistance has always done pretty well is balancing its pacing with the emotions of its characters. And I think it like really allows them to lean into what their feelings are. Like all throughout last season, Tora was constantly wanting to be a part of the adventure and like feeling um, isolated. And we saw Mm -hmm. that time and time again through her, even as she's becoming more and more involved, she still wants more. And even with Tam at the end, that's why it is such a bold choice for her to have actually gone with the First Order because her feelings are really complicated on it. And I think that the show is doing a really good job of highlighting that complication because it would have been so easy and such a nice little bow on the season if she hadn't stepped on the platform and was like, yeah, you're right. It was okay because you were like with the resistance that you lied to me. And like, I I understand it. Um, But she isn't. She's angry. She's really angry. And Mm -hmm. even though she's still like this episode, like we said earlier, like showing her kind of like her animation, showing the range of her emotions, even though she is hesitant when she sees the Colossus, you can tell that she's still angry Um, and she's still frustrated and, and still hurt, like really hurt about what mm-hmm. Kaz and Yeager did to her. And you're getting to see both of that. And I think I think you're right. Like, they do such a good job with that and, like, balancing all of the characters' emotions. And nothing is, nothing is easy 
when it comes to their growth. And that's what we always said about Kaz last season. Like, why doesn't he learn faster? (laughs) 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 But sometimes things take time. And this show definitely, first, like you said, first fast as it moves, it does give them time to kind of be in their emotions. And things just don't get wrapped up really easily or with one conversation and happy song. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Back to talking about Tam, you have this really interesting question in our show notes is, do we think that Tam would have given up the comm link if Ruckland hadn't been there and hadn't like barged in? Um, I think that's a really interesting question just to explore because I think that when we saw her listening to Kaz's message, I think that we could see her um, kind of being empathetic. And then all of a sudden she was interrupted. And I just, I, I wonder how that would have ended if she would have just kind of thrown it on her bed and just forgotten about it and kind of pushed it away. Or if she was actually kind of forced into this decision by Ruckland to make, make a choice that was detrimental to her friends. Yeah. I think I thought about that a lot in this episode. And I think that if she, I think kind of going back to the feelings discussion and her still being really angry and hurt, I think she would have like found an excuse for Reckland to be like, okay, I'll go turn it in and then like not actually do it and constantly coming and or at least for a little bit be coming up with excuses like, oh, I went to go see Tierney, but she wasn't on the bridge or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she could have done that. And then maybe like the next episode or a couple down the line, Ruckland would have been like, well, she's here now. Like, Tam has something to tell you, Captain Tierney. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think you're right. She was forced into this decision in this episode, but she also made that choice herself. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. The thing that I thought was interesting, too, was Tierney in that great moment of manipulation at the end was like, I can't imagine how hurt you must have been to hear that traitor Kaz's message to you like what a heartless thing for him to have said like you just must have felt so terrible and what a horrible person he was and it makes me wonder if tam actually heard the whole message um because we only heard a couple sentences of it so i wonder how much there actually is or if there's more and tyranny's heard it but tam actually hasn't yet Mm-hmm. definitely um i thought there was an interesting parallel if we could draw a parallel between Tam and Kylo um, at the end of the episode where Tierney is like, put on your helmet, essentially, or like Trooper, like put on your helmet, helmet. Mm. And she is kind of forced into, forced isn't the right word, but she has to assume a mask. And I think that there's just, there's, there's definitely something there with Kylo then at this moment, literally at this moment, (laughs) rejecting the mask, you know, and, and uh, kind of feeling like he has to wear it in order to seem like a bad guy um, and then destroying it in this timeline, like literally again, this moment, (laughs) which I think, I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. Like we have this character who is basically, you know, has found herself in this position that is she's filled with complete righteous anger and they're asking her to cover up her face to assume like this facelessness of the First Order. And I don't know. I think that there's definitely something there with in, in with a parallel with Kylo in his own mask, which has 
definitely covered up his own emotions. And I think it's doing the same thing here for Tam. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good parallel. And then to kind of take it in another direction, when you compare Tyranny and Snoke, how Tyranny is the one who's actively telling him to put on the mask, whereas we have Snoke saying, take that ridiculous thing take off. Ridiculous thing off. Um, yes. Because Tyranny wants Tam to be faceless and to only have an identity when she needs to manipulate it. Whereas Snoke wants Kylo, he knows that Kylo is using the mask as a security blanket, basically, to hide his emotions and to, like you said, to hide who he really is. And so to take him off, for Snoke to have Kylo take it off means that he can't run away and he can further, like he can condition Kylo in the way he wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. You're right, at this very moment. (laughs) Kylo is taking off his mask and Tam is putting hers on. (laughs) Yeah, it's just very strange. (laughs) It is quite strange. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else that we need to discuss about characters? Yeah, I I don't think we spend a lot of time on Sonara, but I like individually, but I felt like we talked about her a lot in relation to Kaz. Um, It was good to see her in this episode. She had some really interesting things to say. I just think it's, it's crazy that she was so quick to give up hope on Tam. Uh, uh-huh. But at the same time, she's not wrong. Like, Tam did turn her in, did turn in the resistance. Like, she's right. But you're like, yeah. weren't you friends? <laughs> I don't know. I think that something interesting about Sonara is that she has that sort of perspective about, like, being on one side and then switching over. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of voice that she's speaking from when she talks to Kaz. And... I don't know. Um, I think Sonara continues to be like a really, really interesting character because she doesn't necessarily fit in with like the rest of the crew um, who are like definitely more higher up. Like I would say that Kaz now has kind of, you know, he has is representing this whole mission. Like he is the guy for this quick salvage run. Right. Yeah. He's definitely like on the higher level. And here we have Sonara, who is like a pirate slash ex-pirate slash not expirate. I don't know. It's very confusing. And she kind of occupies an interesting space in between it all. Um, and I, I, I'm continuously intrigued by her and Kaz's relationship. Yeah, me too. I think they have a really good dynamic and I'm excited to see more of it throughout the season. And I hope we get more like Sonara and Tora moments too, uh, if yes. Sam's not on board with them. So I'm really looking forward to next episode. <laughs> Me too. Something else before we close it out. I think this is really interesting that this show was developed at the same time as Solo. Mm-hmm. They talked about that in Bucket's List. I, I don't know. I don't know why I find that so fascinating. <laughs> but like the idea that the the concepts were kind of ex- exchanged over like, oh, here's this cool thing like coaxium. Like you have to do something with coaxium because it's going to come up and it's it's a cool thing. You should include it. Yeah. I don't know. And it makes me hopeful for the future. Like, what are they developing now? If things are super weird right now in terms of like the force and everything, I cannot wait to see what comes out later. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> I'm just I'm like, so right now, I feel like we occupy like this really the space in Star Wars development history where things are just getting super, super weird. Yeah. And I love it. So like, I can't wait to see all the like ancillary material that comes out of this development phase. Yeah, I feel like anything is fair game. Yeah, and totally. anything can be pitched. It's like, let's throw every idea at the wall and see what we think sticks the best and is the coolest. Totally. So I hope that means that we're going to be getting a lot of different stuff uh, in the next 
era of Star Wars. And yeah. of course, more weird for stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode of our Resistance Recap for the episode, A Quick Salvage Run. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you were able to access Resistance in a timely manner. And if you weren't, I hope that next week is better for all of us, putting those vibes out into the galaxy for all of you right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Absolutely. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online. We're mostly on Twitter at SkytalkersPod, or my personal handle is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our uh, website, which is skytalkers.com, or you can email us at Gmail, and our email address is skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support us in other ways, something you can do is head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps people find us and talk about the Colossus with us on the show. (laughs) So give me more people to talk about the Colossus with please. (laughs) Um, You can also head on over to our Patreon if you are interested in supporting us there and in other types of bonus content from us. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to our patrons, Jason, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Gina, Shelbo, Joey, James, Kathy, Gee, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Bradley, Josh, Ian, Raz, Lakshana, Candice, Ewan, Tom the Fanboy, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, Jalia, Matthew, Captain Britton, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, I, Rebel, Kimberly, Fundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Centara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, Danny, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Claire, Brad, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys. And as always, until next time. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.